98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Virus cases continue to trend down, but health chiefs say we're not out of the woods yet. Covid tests for teachers raise the possibility of schools reopening, but unions aren't happy. And bosses at the Chinese university say they simply can't condone criminal behaviour by students. The number of new COVID-19 infections has declined for the third day running to a two and a half month low, though health officials caution that the local outbreak is yet to come under control. Meanwhile, officials have revealed how one man who died of coronavirus repeatedly missed the chance for a diagnosis. Wendy Wong reports. Health authorities reported just 19 coronavirus cases, the lowest daily figure since November the 20th. All the cases were locally acquired, and authorities weren't able to identify the source of infection for seven patients, something that Centre for Health Protection's Dr. Chuan Shukwan says is a cause for concern. Although the number is um, only 19 today, there are still seven unlinked cases in the territory. They live in various districts in the territory. Each case can spread to other cases, so there are also sources of infection. So um, I don't think the current situation is completely under control. One of the newly reported cases is a 66-year-old man who was found dead in his Shangshui home on Friday. He was confirmed to be infected after his death. One of his relatives had previously contracted COVID-19, but authorities were unaware that they met last month, so he wasn't classified as a close contact. Another opportunity to find the infection was missed after a saliva sample he provided to a public clinic for testing leaked. Officials said the clinic tried to contact him for another sample, but failed. He has sought help from the clinic after developing a cough last week. The man's relatives later reported him missing and he was found dead at home by police. A nurse who works at a private clinic in Central has also contracted the virus via an unknown sources. About 20 other people have tested preliminary positive for the virus. The government has announced lockdowns this evening for buildings in Tokuan, Chaiwan and Tunmen. Testing is due to be completed in time for people to go to work in the morning. The Education Bureau says it's to begin testing all teachers for COVID-19 in the hope of opening schools in full sometime after next week's Lunar New Year holiday. It says classes will be able to resume two weeks after all teachers and staff at a school provide negative tests. There will also be a test every fortnight going forward. The Professional Teachers Union accused the government of using class resumption as a bargaining chip to force teachers to get tested. Its vice president is Ibkin Yoon. The government seems to fail to provide an adequate reasoning to support the idea of compulsory testing. Now, the students themselves can also spread the virus. So if you are just limiting the testing to the teachers, I'm afraid this doesn't serve the purpose. The Bureau also said that even without tests, schools will be able to offer in-person classes to one-third of pupils instead of one-sixth after the holiday. They'll only be allowed to open for half the day. And the Chinese University says it will not condone unlawful activities, breaches of its regulations or tolerate disruption of campus operations. Jimmy Choi has more. In an open letter, the university management, including Council Chairman Norman Leung, Vice-Chancellor Rocky Tuan, as well as the heads of the institution's nine colleges, stressed violence or illegal activities in any form are unacceptable. The letter says the university is not above the law. It can neither defend individuals who are under investigation by the authorities for purported law-breaking, nor intervene in the investigations. 
The letter referred to the unrest on campus in November 2019, at the height of the anti-government protests when demonstrators clashed with the police. It also highlighted recent incidents which it said were distressing. Last month, eight people went on rampage at a security counter set up by the school near the university MTL station, damaging facilities and throwing an unknown white powder at the guards before fleeing. A number of students were later arrested in connection with the case. The university said it will continue to promote the spirit of diversity and inclusion, and remind students about the importance of respecting the law. It added that there are established channels for stakeholders to add a fuse in a rational and lawful manner. The letter says the small number of CUHK members who have taken destructively disruptive or even illegal actions cannot excuse or defend their behaviour by reference to whatever demands or purposes they might claim underlie their actions. It added that these individuals have to be held accountable for their own acts. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past eleven. Pro-establishment lawmakers have urged the administration to do more to push back against US sanctions imposed on the chief executive, Carrie Lam, and a number of local officials. One of them, Junius Ho, says the banks need to be given an ultimatum, ignore the US sanctions or face new ones from Hong Kong. Francis Sitt reports. During an electrical meeting, Junius Ho asked if the government had directed the monetary authority to order banks, including HSBC and the Bank of China, to safeguard the rights of Hong Kong people in relation to bank accounts that had been cancelled in response to the U.S. sanctions. Secretary for Financial Services Christopher Ho did not give a direct response, saying he could not comment on individual cases. But he noted that regulators have told financial institutions to balance the impact on clients when they mitigate risks to themselves. Mr. Ho also assured lawmakers that the unilateral sanctions imposed by the U.S. are not legally binding in Hong Kong and would not affect its status as an international financial and trade center. But Mr. Ho wasn't satisfied with the minister's response, saying the government should give banks an ultimatum to ignore Washington's sanctions or get out. I think the monetary authority should issue a very clear message directive or mandated to all these financial institutes to say that they should not just comply with those uh, sanctions. If they don't comply, then they will face with the immediate sanction from the Hong Kong government. So it's a choice between two evils unless they pull out from Hong Kong market. Otherwise, they have to comply with it. He said it wasn't a good look for Hong Kong for Chief Executive Carrie Lam, who is among the sanctioned officials, to have to take her salary home in bags of cash because she no longer has a bank account. They just discharge their official duties to protect the interests of Hong Kong and still have to face with all this sort of the ramification. So therefore, it set up a very bad example and also bad implication to the general public that even the chief executive, the leader of Hong Kong, is subject to sanction. Then ordinary residents in Hong Kong could not avoid from this sort of the ramification too. Washington had imposed sanctions on Mrs. Lam and other local and mainland officials in response to the imposition of the national security law last year, which is said had curtailed the high degree of autonomy promised to the SAR. The government has urged all its staff to use its Leave Home Safe tracing app when they go to work to help fight the spread of the coronavirus. But one union boss calls the measure little more than window dressing, as Natalie Cheng reports. 
According to an internal memo sent to staff, government employees are strongly encouraged to make proper use of the app for the protection of themselves, their fellow colleagues, and members of public who seek services at their offices. The Leave Home Safe app allows users to record their whereabouts and notifies them if they have visited a place which is subsequently linked to a COVID-19 infection. The memo says it is the government's target to introduce a measure under which staff and members of public entering government offices should use the app to record their dates and times of visits at government offices before entry. Responding to an RTHK inquiry earlier as to whether people visiting government buildings will be ordered to install the app, the Civil Service Bureau simply said the administration urges people to actively use the app to develop a habit of recording their own whereabouts to reduce the risk of the virus spreading. The chairman of the Federation of Civil Service Unions, Leung Chaoting, said while it is understandable for the government to require staff to use the app when they enter or leave government offices, it has not been popular amongst members of public due to privacy concerns, adding that elderly people may not know how to use it at all. Mr. Leung said by strongly encouraging its employees to follow the measure, the government is essentially telling them that they couldn't say no to it. He also questioned whether staff will continue to use the app after work, saying the policy would only be effective if everyone in Hong Kong uses it at all times. Grassroots workers and unions have lashed out at the government's decision to freeze the minimum wage up $37.50 an hour, while callers to an RGHK programme described the move as disgusting and likened it to stealing from a beggar's bowl. Here's Timmy Sung. The government has said it took the unprecedented step of freezing the minimum wage after accepting recommendations from a review panel, which had concluded that raising wages would just lead to more job losses. Mr Poon, who called into radio program, said there's no comfort to him or his son, saying both of them had lost their jobs because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Their savings and his wife's $6,000 monthly salary, he says, are the only things keeping the family afloat. He said not increasing the minimum wage is like stealing rice from a baggage bowl. Civil servants receive pay rises every year, he complained. Why can't you so understanding to low-income earners? Please show some sympathy, he added. Another caller, surnamed Zhang, lashed out at the government, saying it's their fault that COVID-19 has had such a large impact on the economy. My income is also affected, but officials are still getting paid hundreds of thousand dollars a month, she said. Speaking on the same program, the chairman of the Federation of Hong Kong and Kowloon Labour Unions, Lam Chun Singh, said the salary freeze means grassroots workers can't maintain their purchasing power, and this will affect their living standard. But the convener of the Hong Kong Business Community Joint Conference, Catherine Yen, countered that even if the minimum wage were to be raised, businesses would just shift the cost to consumers, which would make their lives even harder. Two of Myanmar's deposed civilian leaders, including Aung San Suu Kyi, have been charged by the army generals who seized power in a coup on Monday. Ms Suu Kyi has been accused of illegally possessing a set of walkie-talkie radios. The former president, Nguyen Myint, has been charged with violating coronavirus restrictions. The BBC's Jonathan Head says that the accusations against Ms Suu Kyi appear trivial. Everyone in Myanmar will know this is a device. It's a way of trying to neutralise her. Just think about this. 
The military launched their coup because Aung San Suu Kyi's party won yet another election. She's won every election she's ever contested by really significant margins. They won by their biggest margin of all last November. If the military is to fulfill its promise of holding another election, and it has pledged it will do that, it has to find a way of getting her out of that election. And this charge, I would imagine, is their first way they're going to use to try to do that. The Italian president, Sergio Mattarella, has asked the former head of the European Central Bank, Mario Draghi, to try to form a new government. The previous coalition, led by Giuseppe Conte, fell apart last month because of his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. The BBC's Mark Lowen reports from Rome. After Italy's squabbling politicians failed to piece together a coalition, its star technocrat has been brought in. Mario Draghi, the former head of the European Central Bank, has accepted the president's request to form the next government. He voiced his confidence that political unity would emerge amidst Italy's challenges. But bringing together warring factions won't be easy. The anti-establishment five-star movement, the largest party in parliament, seems divided over whether to back him, and some on the right want elections. To sport and in soccer, Hong Kong Premier League teams resumed training today after receiving permission from the government last night. But there's no confirmation of when the season will resume. Matches have been on hold since late November because of the coronavirus. Atom Jiang reports. The eight clubs in the local Premier League have been given access to five venues where they've resumed training today in preparation for the restart of the 2020-21 season. Those venues include the Kitchi Training Center in Sha Tin, as well as the Chen Kun O Sports Ground and Aberdeen Sports Ground. Players and staff must follow guidelines from the Hong Kong FA's medical committee to fulfill the government's required hygiene measures. There's no confirmation as to when the matches will resume, but it's widely expected to be sometime after the Lunar New Year. The FA also secured $3.5 million of support from the government. The funding covers the costs of the resumed matches from last season and the 28 matches at the beginning of the current season, which has been halted since late November because of coronavirus. The International Olympic Committee has banned singing and chanting at the Tokyo Games as part of new rules designed to allow the competition to go ahead safely in July despite the pandemic. The BBC's Rupert Wingfield Hayes reports from the Japanese capital. The publication of this so-called playbook by the IOC today is in part a guide for athletes coming to Tokyo this summer and part a display of intent. That Tokyo is determined to go ahead with the Games even though the Covid pandemic is not over. Athletes are being told they must have a valid COVID test 72 hours prior to their arrival in Japan. They will then be tested again on arrival and every four days while they are here. During competition, teams will be confined to the Olympic Village and only allowed to travel to venues on special buses. At venues, there will be no singing or cheering aloud, only clapping. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Virus cases continue to trend down, but health chiefs say we're not out of the woods. Tests for teachers raise the possibility of schools reopening. And bosses at the Chinese university say they simply can't condone criminal behaviour. The news from RGHK. In our newsroom, thanks to Steve Dunthorne. We'll have more headlines coming up at midnight. Late night music. Smokey Robinson now getting together with Elton John. 
people say I'm the life of the party Cause I tell a joke or two My Tears there, Smokey Robinson with uh, Elton uh, with Elton John. The tracks of My Tears originally, uh, Smokey Robinson uh, tune, a multi-award winning 1965 hit recorded by Smokey Robinson, The Miracles, on uh, Tamla's, uh, on, on Motown's Tamla label. And um, as I said, 1965, but that version... That version, taken from uh, an interesting album uh, called Smokey and Friends, which I played out, uh, well, I played out a few times on this program, but uh, featured it back in 2014 on my Sunday night show, Smokey Robinson and Friends, uh, where he, uh, he got together with a whole host of contemporary singers and um, and, and re-sung a number of his a number of the the, the huge um, 
the huge tunes of the past. And um, Elton John, Stephen Tyler, Miguel, Jesse J, John Legend, CeeLo Green, Mary J. Blige, James Taylor, a whole host of, uh, Gary Barlow even, a whole host of uh, contemporary names getting together with Smokey Robinson. And it's diff- it's a big task, isn't it, when you have some of these classic tunes that are engaged in people's conscious um, to re-sing them and, and add something to them. But uh, not too bad. Elton John there.